Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome yet again, faithful scholars of advanced Cowboys footballology to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught advanced graduate course in all things Cowboys football, team-taught by none other than yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser and the eminent internationally renowned Cowboys expert, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Ah, I'm all right. I mean, it hasn't been the greatest day. Uh, I woke up this morning, and the first thing that happened is I stepped in cat vomit, uh, which I'm, you know. That's always a great way to kick off a day. Love it. I love it. I love it um, when I do that. So, so, but you know what? It only got better um, from, from there, I will say this. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm happy to actually that um, football season is over. And uh, I will say that I, I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. Um, it was a, I thought it was a really exciting game. I mean, it was not as much scoring as I thought um, expected. Mm-hmm. I think that's everybody can say that. But I love the fact that it was close. It was. I think they really uh, gave us a lot. It was definitely something we could just cheer for uh, the entire time. And I will say, even though I just wanted to root for a good game, I, I felt myself happy that the 49ers didn't win. It's like. I felt. I think really that's truly, you know, still pulling for Kansas City. I, I can't. I can't even with as I get older, I can't stop not rooting against mm-hmm. the Forty. It's just. It's just too, too much embedded in me. But uh, I enjoyed the game. So I, I will say. What did you think about the game? Yeah, I think. I think the same. I thought it was a good close game. It was a good back and forth game. Um, I, I think we're. You know, we're going to talk more about specifics about the game. But I thought it was a good hard-fought game between a couple of very tough, resilient teams. And I will say, um, as are most close games in this league that we follow and love so much, uh, it was decided on a fluke play. And and so the winning team, I think it's very debatable whether they are the better team. I think the team ended up with more points at the end thanks to a couple of goofy things that happened. You you would have preferred to wouldn't you? You Well, because then I would know definitively who was better and i don't think that i don't think that you can make a case that the, the winning team was the better team necessarily right I, um, but that's that that's just me that's just me um they were the team that ended with more points at the end of the game and that was and that was good but but you know we can talk about how that happened um i think there's a couple of other things we need to talk about one is of course 
Um, the news that's been making the rounds is that Mike Zimmer has been officially inked as the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator. I think it's um, it, we deserve uh, that deserves a little discussion. So wait, I think wait, we should wait. probably talk it, about that. It's not Rex Ryan. It's not Rex oh. Ryan. I know. I know. I, I think that the Cowboys dipped a foot in that <laughs> pool, but decided to go in a different direction. Um, and then, you know, we might want to even talk a little bit about uh, what kind of changes we think we should see here now as the, as the offseason officially begins. We can now talk about, uh, you know, the offseason uh, the whole sort of like challenge of the off season, the the team building and rebuilding, the draft, the free agency, all that good stuff. Um, but so we are going to talk about Zimmer. I wanted to kind of start before we jump into our, our Super Bowl talk uh, with a little trip down memory lane because this is not Zimmer's first go round with not. our beloved Dallas Cowboys. Really? No. So he was he was uh, an offensive assistant. A defensive backs coach and then a defensive coordinator from 1994 to 2006. So he had a pretty long stretch there. Interestingly enough, I think when he started, we weren't as fans quite so aware of who the position coaches were. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think that we were, you know, our obsession didn't quite spread that far. Right, and the media right. didn't cover that kind of stuff during the broadcast and, and you know, just during just during conversations about the team. Yeah, none of um, us so was like, uh, none of us was like, uh, freaking out when Sean Payton left because we just we just didn't know. No, and cert and certainly when like a defensive backs coach would leave right. in two thousand, you know, in two thousand we'd be like, oh, I didn't even know. And now we're like, oh my god, what if Al Harris leaves? It's gonna be the end of the world, you know. So yeah. I think we're just much more aware, which is good because we also recognize who among the coaching staff is really making a difference and you know where we can see a real difference in the play of of, of the players in in that particular coach's room. Um, so interestingly enough, he ca- he came as a defensive assistant, was in the defensive meeting rooms, et cetera, as a sort of young coach who had been coaching places like Missouri and Weber State, sort of, you know, these Midwest um, destinations, um, you know, Plains State's destinations, and um, got was able to secure a job. And then Dave Campo was promoted from defensive backs coach to defensive coordinator when I think Butch Davis left. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so as a result of that, uh, Zimmer was promoted to defensive backs coach where he served for quite a while until uh, obviously he became defensive coordinator. And then I think under, under um, Parcells had some of his most interesting years because as, as you remember, he started as a kind of classic Jimmy Johnson undersized uh, front seven, you know, rely on speed, uh, you know, kind of defensive coordinator specializing in a four three, and then under Parcells he moved to a three four, etc. So uh, uh, in that history, I guess my question for you is, what years from ninety, let's say ninety five, when he uh, when he uh, takes over as the actual defensive, uh, excuse me, the the defensive backs coach to two thousand and six. Which of those years stand out to you as particularly interesting or even, you know, really, really great defensive performances uh, that, that he was a part of or contributed to? Oh, um, well, I don't know the years. Um, I can't really I, – I just – I know he had success everywhere he went except for Atlanta. I think it's just the one-year stand. I don't know um, what, what happened even in that year. But I know that he had – a couple of good years in Dallas and a handful of good years in Cincy and, and then quite a few actually 
up until maybe the last couple in Minnesota, defensively, defensively at least, his teams were good. Um, but I don't can't tell you anything else about it. So you were asking about Atlanta. Atlanta in 2007 was the year that uh, Michael Vick got indicted on, uh, uh, from his dogfighting ring, and, and Bobby Petrino, who was hired from the from the college ranks, uh, had his one disastrous year as the head coach, and um, so the entire staff was summarily dismissed. So uh, Zimmer made a bad choice moving to Atlanta. Um, the reason I ask that is I think that you know Zimmer's time, and we're, we'll talk more about this in some ways is a reflection of, I think, what may be his greatest asset, which is his flexibility. He ran a lot of defenses, worked with a lot of different people here. Yes. And the one, the one, and I think this is also something that we're going to need to talk about again later, but the one year that really stands out to me is 2003. And that's a year we talked about earlier. Yeah. We were talking about the Cowboys, Cowboys defense when we thought, oh, this might be a, this might be like one of the great defenses in Cowboys history the 2023 defense, we looked back and the last time they were close to being first in yards and first in points allowed uh, in the league was in 2003. They were actually first in, in yards and second in points, I think. And, um, and that was Mike Zimmer defense. And if you remember, that was not a particularly talented group. Nope. They had, they had, uh, you know, some of those like small linebackers, they still had like Datwin and Dexter Coakley, I think. But the thing that, that made that group special was that they had, Darren Woodson and a young electric Roy Williams at safety and Zimmer's ability to deploy those two guys in a wide variety of ways. Um, if you look back on it, I mean, the creative use of the talents he did have was so impressive because that team was, I mean, just a fraction as talented as like last year's Cowboys defense. And just in terms of like, the guys they could put on the field. Mm -hmm. They had nobody. I mean, they had nobody. Especially on offense. And, oh, I mean, but I mean, defensively, they were terrible, terrible. And they, and the thing is, it's so hard to have a number one defense when your offense is bad um, because your offense, you know, can, can turn the ball over and you give up easy points. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Do you think, even remember who's the, on that team, perhaps? I mean, other uh, than the guys, the, you just, yeah, the guys you the just 2003 Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so I can, I, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little rundown of some of the, some of the uh, household names that were on the 2003 Cowboys. Are you ready for this? Um, I'm ready. Yes. All right. So uh, they did have Greg Ellis, who was in his fifth year. So he was, he was good. He ended up with eight sacks. He was, I think the best guy probably in the front seven. And then across the middle, they actually had, they actually had uh, Leroy Glover, who, who was who was really really good too. Probably the best free agent acquisition how, in Cowboys. How history. big was Glover? Do you know? I mean, just like big, big or? No, no, no. He was like two seventy. He was so very undersized. Three tech then. Yeah, absolutely. So that Willie Blade as their like, as a rookie, you know, like a late round pick, a, a rookie as as their sort of like one tech. They had Ebenezer Ekubon. As one defensive end, Al as Singleton was a linebacker. Datwin and Dexter Coakley, we just talked about. They did have a rookie, Terrence Newman. So that was huge. A rookie? He was able oh, to my do. goodness. That must have been yeah, a long so time Newman's ago. Terrence Newman's first year. But there are other, and then their other cornerback wasn't great. Mario Edwards, he was, he was, he was the best of that, like that lot of, of bad corners they drafted in 2001 when they got, um, who was the kid from Tennessee who ended up like murdering somebody or something? That was just a that was a, a bad bad draft. 
And um, they drafted three corners. Mario Edwards was the third of them, I think, drafted in like the, the seventh round or something. And so he was the sort of starter opposite Terrence Newman. So, I mean, they had some they had some guys who were okay. But then I think that the unit that was dominant was an old Darren Woodson ended up being his last year in the league and a young second year Roy Williams. And they were so dynamic. And the way that, that – um, that Zimmer deployed them both, you know, up the middle to stop the run. They, they, they would, they would blitz from both, from both up the middle and on the outside, they covered in all kinds of interesting ways. And, and he, and, you know, the fact that he was able to use Darren Woodson in, in myriad ways, I think is a precursor to the way he was able to use Anthony Barr, you know, in some ways, the way he's going to be able to use Michael Parsons as this kind of like Troy Palomalu style chess piece, who's a kind of, you know, linebacker safety hybrid who plays in that, that sort of second level who can do a bunch of different things. I, I think, I think Michael play more on the line, but I also wouldn't be surprised at all to see a lot of Anthony Barr in him, but we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I just thought that that year, like when you look back to that year and you think who, who was, you know, yeah. who was manning uh, that number one defense? And they had a couple guys who were, who were solid, but I mean, there were some, you know, guys who were like Jags at best yeah. who were, you know, in, in, in key roles on that defense. And he did, he made a very, very tasty lemonade. But you know what? Out of a barrel full of lemons. Was, but you know what? That, that win was smart. Dexter Coakley yeah, was smart. Absolutely. And, no, no question. I mean, that's you're right. They're they're you're not talking about these athletic specimens too, but I mean, now looking back, and they had some really bright players too. Which uh, I mean, so I don't know. You know I can see, and, and they and they were not, and they were not a young defense, right? So Leroy Glover was 29, Greg Ellis was 28, Al Singleton, who had come over from the champion um, uh, Buccaneers, was like the third linebacker on those on the championship Buccaneers. Uh, was 28. That win was 28. Dexter Coakley was 31 at that time. Mario Edwards was 28, and Darren Woodson was 34. So they had some they had some seasoned veterans, I think, who could who knew enough about the the league and enough about formation and scheme to be able to I think ad- adapt to some of Zim's you know interesting kind of like you know mad scientist stuff that he was doing and, yeah. and execute it without without like leaving a lot of big holes. They didn't give a lot they give up a lot of big plays that year. They were they were pretty pretty sound technically in that way. Impressive. So anyway, just kind of kind of interesting to, to connect Zimmer to an earlier conversation that we'd had about great cowboy defenses from the past when we thought maybe this one was going to be one and two one as well. And it turns out they were not. But I tell you what, a couple of teams that, that were uh, maybe not great defensively, but awfully, awfully good defensively on Sunday were the 49ers and the yes. Chiefs. So let's let's dive into that um, with our annual uh, uh, kind of game, which I like to title, What Do They Got That We Ain't Got? So obviously, my friend, we want our team to be every bit as good as those two teams. We want them to be perhaps even better than those two teams. We want that our team annually to be where those two teams are. So I think it's important for us to start to, to look at our team with a clear eye and ask ourselves, why them? Why not us? So I'll, I'll, I'll give the floor to you first. Like, what do you want to talk about in terms of, uh, of what do they have that we don't have? You want to start with San Francisco or do you want to start with Kansas City? Ah. Uh, well, you know, they're very, very different in the way that they have built their roster. Um, I, oh, okay. I, Let's talk about that. I, uh, 
I, so I looked through both of these and trying. And first off, I'm looking for commonalities between them. And so I, I will. I will I'll start with some things that I think it's really important for all teams, all good teams to have. It's just, it applies to to all of them. Um, so I mean, obviously, uh, you are going nowhere if you don't have a quarterback that can mm-hmm. play. I mean, you're 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 toast. So you've got to have a good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, it don't matter if you're paying him a lot of money or you're not, if he's still on the rookie deal, you know, like some are, some, you know, but, and then certainly in, in the case of Kansas City and San Francisco, one's one of the higher paid quarterbacks and the other's one of the cheapest starting mm-hmm. quarterbacks for sure being the last pick of, of the draft. So, uh, but one thing that they both do is they're both good. They're both good quarterbacks. They're both players that can make plays. Um, obviously, one's uh, pretty, you know, pretty, a lot better than the other, um, but they're both, nobody, if you did MVP voting, I'm certain, I mean, no one's going to complain about Brock Purdy still, fantastic season, he played well, mm-hmm. so good quarterback, you got to have that, so I would say that that's first and foremost, absolutely most important, we've all been through the dark ages of the Cowboys, and we know how not having a good quarterback will just completely uh derailed your season you know what dude sometimes i wonder if our fans have been like like if the younger fans who have had romo and dak have any concept of what it's like to to be rooting for a team led by chad hutchinson they they don't they don't have any no they can't they don't have any idea because that's otherwise they would appreciate those guys a lot more so having a good quarterback is important and i think the, Mm -hmm. the second one too that i found uh between both of them is you have to protect your quarterback and both teams are committed to having this, a good offensive line, um, you know, you look at. Uh, and when you say committed, what do you mean? You mean they're 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 using a lot of high draft picks? You mean they're they, allocating uh, cap resources? What do you mean by committed? They are you. They are allocating um, cap resources, and, and also mm-hmm. too, uh, you know, high draft picks go with that because when you draft high players, there's sure, a good likelihood sure. of you're going to resign them to big, big deals. So you're 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 spending your resources on offensive line, and and now. And we just talked about this uh, offline a little bit ago. That Kansas City isn't far removed from having. I mean, Mahomes was running for his life, and you know the, they had all kinds of problems on the offensive line. And they have since taken measures to fix that. They've have spent, uh, you know, went out and bought a couple high-priced mm-hmm. free agents to solidify the offensive line. They had a good draft pick that turned out. So they got like they got some good pieces there. And so uh, Kansas City is actually spending more money on their offensive line than San Francisco is. But both teams are. Sp- are committed to spending. They're, they're they're spending money on offensive line. They're protecting their quarterback. So whether it's high price quarterback, not high price offensive line, is important. But that is where things pretty much end as far as similarities, because it starts mm-hmm. to go, it starts to go spread out after that. And um, they have they have uh, two very different approaches. And um, San Francisco has got a lot of resources on defense. Uh, we we know that, especially in the front seven. If you look at uh, the, both their interior defensive line, the edge, and the linebackers, big chunks of money happening there. Uh, so they're spending a lot more than the Chiefs are at the in the front seven. Yeah, and it's very surprising to see Kansas City. If you look at their how they're um, spread out, it's like defense. You're thinking, how are these guys even contending? Because they just don't have any money really thrown at any of those positions. I mean, maybe a little bit for Chris mm-hmm. Jones. Uh, interior defensive line is their most expensive defensive position for the Chiefs. And 
which sounds crazy mm-hmm. if you were to think about how the Cowboys approach things because it's, you know, but they value that and that's what they do. That's where they spend their money. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I look at this, I'm trying to figure out which is better. Um, and I don't, I mean, it, I don't even know that it even matters that I have to pick one that's better because what really matters is the Cowboys have themselves a high priced quarterback. So they have no choice to fall in line with more of how Kansas City's going about it than San Francisco because they don't have that luxury. They can't spend all this money on defense because they just they they, they can't. So I don't know, Raps, what do you right. what's your overall opinions about the, the rosters of these two teams? I, I mean I think I think you broke it down uh, beautifully, and I think that your point at the end is is a, is well taken, which is that uh, we we really can't compare our roster and the way it's built to San Francisco. So, like you know, Cowboy fans every, after the San Francisco loss were like, "Look at those linebackers! We need linebackers." Well, those linebackers are a luxury mm-hmm. that that they're able to in, indulge in because their quarterback is, as you said, probably the cheapest starting quarterback in the league. And so, when you have that, that means you can invest in other positions that are that are absolutely and always the first to be cut because they are not they are not particularly impactful um when you have to pay a higher price quarterback so i will also I was sort of piggyback on what you said to say that the places where the cowboys are spending money as a team that has an investment in a quarterback and a second contract are quarterback wide receiver offensive line as you noted defensive end and corner that's the money five, dude. I mean, if we think about offensive line as offensive tackle, and we know that they have high price guys at both offensive tackle spots, um, it feels like in recent years, their drafting and their um, cap allocation has shifted more away from the less impactful positions, i.e. interior offensive line, tight end, uh, middle linebacker, safety, you know, those kinds of positions, and more uh, toward money five. And I think that's good because those are the teams, or excuse me, those are the positions where having better players means the most because if they can beat the guy across the line from them, it affects a play or affects the overall like fabric of all the plays in the game more impactfully. So I think the Cowboys are doing a pretty good job with their allocation. I will say that um, the thing that really stands out if we look at the Chiefs is that the Chiefs aren't spending any money on cornerback and they're spending a lot more money on defensive tackle. But in general, they're also spending less uh, on somewhere else that I think is really important, which is they're spending less on the skill positions in general. So I want to hearken back to a conversation I think we just had last week uh, for last our last podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we talked a little bit about um, the various people who make up the Cowboys spine. It's actually a two week podcast covering all that. Yes. And, and during the second of those two, one of the things we talked about was that a place where the Cowboys fall short is that they have a very good quarterback, but not an elite quarterback, not one of the top two or three, like, you know, he's not in that Brady Mahomes burrow, you know, Manning type of type of, uh, of rarefied echelon. Um, and they have a very good offensive coordinator who's been a tried and true offensive yes. coordinator who's produced good offenses year after year after year for, for well over a decade, but he's not an elite offensive coordinator. He's, he's good. He, I don't know that he's 
in the same category as a Shanahan, an Andy Reid, a Ben Johnson. So the fact that the Cowboys don't have either of those is a, is really the limit point, I think, or one key limit point on their success. And then one of the things that, that then has you have to do if you don't have that offensive coordinator who has a, who has a, a scheme that gets easy button plays for your quarterback. Uh, so let's be clear, uh, Mahomes and Brock Purdy uh, both benefit tremendously from the amount and have for, for years from the amount of easy button plays their offensive coordinators generate for them. Mm-hmm. I think that the real difference is when there's not an easy button play, which one do you, do you have more faith in? I think you, you can have faith in both of them, but obviously the one we really have faith in when you need to make a, you know, throw in a tight window with eight guys draped on you as Mahomes, you know, because he's got that incredible, like, you know, generational arm. But um, because the Cowboys don't have an elite offensive coordinator and or an elite quarterback, they have to, they have to get elite players at other positions to help compensate. And so that means they're spending more money to try to get juice at the running back position, at the wide receiver position. And that's actually one of the places that the skill positions where they most overspend the Chiefs. Chiefs with Kelsey do spend more tight end, to be fair. So I think the other thing that really strikes me is and it's not like I, I, I say that Mike McCarthy did a better job this year than Kellen Moore did last year. And I'm just comparing these two years. And I think there are lots of other factors in this of generating easy button plays for his quarterback. So we saw an increase in that, which I think is, you know, was huge for Dak this year. One of the reasons why he had an MVP, MVP caliber year after a, a really tough year where he led the league in interceptions, largely because he was being asked to throw into open windows because there, there were no easy button plays almost all year for him. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. But the other, the other thing that, really strikes me about these two teams is how much more mentally tough, mentally resilient, 
and mentally disciplined they are than the Cowboys. So I really feel like, to me, there's not a significant difference in talent between the two, two teams. I think the San Francisco may be a little more talented, 1-53. to 53. I don't think Kansas City is. No. But they are so – I mean, obviously, Kansas City has – the you know the 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 quarterback of this current right, generation right, right right and and that is huge right that makes it that makes all the difference but aside from that uh and that negates all other talent disparities but aside from that i don't think they're particularly more talented but i think that they are significantly tougher they're so much more resilient one of the things i was so impressed with over and over is when things went wrong when guys were you know you know uh committed penalties to, to let the other team off the hook on a third and 12 or whatever. They didn't just sort of like fold and then give up a drive. They, they made plays. They fought and fought and fought and didn't quit. And honestly, like watching the last couple rounds of the playoffs, I'm not impressed by the talent of the teams. I'm impressed by the mental discipline and toughness of the teams. Yeah. This Cowboys team is not a tough team. In fact, I would go so far as to say they are a weak and soft team. Yeah. And I don't know what the, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know if they can do anything about it. If it, if that is part of the larger culture that comes out of the owner's office, or if that's something that's, you know, just the guys that they've brought on, or maybe they need, they need, you know, a, 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 a tougher guy at coach. Uh, maybe they need a tougher defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is. I think though, that that's really the difference between those teams and, and, and the team we root for. I agree with you, Raz, because I look at this and even like going through the roster and trying to figure out, I mean, basically looking for things to complain about, like, well, they don't have good players at X. No, I think they're spending the money on the right places. I think the talent of this, this team is really good. I've always been a pro roster guy. I will defend our roster builders, whether it's Stephen Jones or Will McClay. I think they do a fantastic job year after year bringing in, good talent to make up a team, but year after year, we're always missing something. And I think, you know, you speak to the toughness and everything and I, and the resiliency to it, but I, I think discipline is a huge part of it. And I mean, there's no reason the Cowboys should be one of the top penalized teams in the league. In like two of the last three years, we've just been at the worst. Mm-hmm. It's just absurd. This is not what winning football teams do. So there's clearly a lack of, of discipline. And I also think that our team is not as smart. I don't think they're just as, as with it. I think that there's too many people that are relying on certain talents and or or guys to follow their job when their job is very simple. If they could just do this one thing, Um, I don't, when they start and have to zag or something, then, then there's breakdowns and we got all kinds of problems. So I think there's, there's a level of intelligence and a level of discipline that this team is also lacking to. And I, and I, and I, I just I think it falls on the coaching. I think that the Cowboys yeah. are good enough, but if, if you get some better coaching, um, I think that they're, they'll be better. And, and I think that's, you know, a good, you know, I, I, this team has always prioritized uh, athletic flash over, over that kind of, you know, substance whatever you want to call it you, you, you can call it style over style over substance and that's that's too reductive but i i think that you know if you get, get if you're talking about a, like a, a blue collar guy who it just is always in the right lane versus someone who's 
runs a four three forty. You you know where Jerry's going to lean. He's a magpie. Right. And I do I do think that I mean and and this is such an interesting conversation to have after having the conversation about the two thousand three Cowboys defense and how they were undersized and 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 overmatched, but they were smart. They were seasoned veterans who were smart players. Dat Wynn never took a, a false step. He didn't take a, a quick step, but his first slow step was always the right one, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and 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 that's in some in in almost always better than a very very fast athletic wrong first step. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question for us is, you know, if we think about that on the defensive side, the toughness, the discipline, that and the lack thereof, that doesn't seem to be particularly in line with the history of the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer. So I guess uh, it feels like this provides us with a nice little segue to kind of talk about Zimmer and, you know, what we like or don't like about the hire. And do we think that he's the kind of cat who can help us with any of these identified issues? Yeah, I um, I know that there's been a lot of opinions going around. So, I mean, uh, we won't beat this dead horse, but I do th- I am interested to hear what your overall thoughts, and I'll keep mine brief. Um, but I, I like the hire. Um, I think if you're, especially if you're looking for someone to come in and almost have kind of like a, I don't want to say seamless because it's going to be quite different, but to, to keep the defense playing well and, and keep this team competitive with with the talent they have, I think that he's their best choice. Uh, there's a lot of things about Zimmer that are, are great. Um, he, he's he's the kind of guy that you. You don't need to have certain types of guys to make it work. He'll mm-hmm. he'll just kind of make it work. Just you know, give him guys, and he'll make it work. He does a lot of different things. He's not a one style. He, you know, kind of like Dan Quinn, give us the Legion of Boom type of players. He can do things with all types. That makes me feel good because the Cowboys have all types already. Uh, I think he'd give them a good uh, palette to work with. You're gonna probably add some little pieces here. You know, the things that he does emphasize a little more than the last coordinator. And I think, you know, the Cowboys will go out there and get that. Um, I do think that they will be more disciplined because, you know, Mike Zimmer, he does not put up with this. He's, you know, we people talk about how he's not all that well-liked and stuff because he's one of those coaches that's really going to be on you. Um, he, he So I like that. But the thing that worries me about Zimmer, and then I'll be done, and is um, he does – he expects his players to perform and to to um, do their jobs, and the, I think they're. And we, I've seen, you know, we've seen the the on Twitter, uh, the Cowboy stats did a fantastic job. I believe it was him. I hope uh, mm-hmm, that said mm-hmm. like you know, Zimmer's team defenses are good, but they're not good right away. And I think that's important because we talk about you know being smart and knowing what you're supposed to do. It's not going to just be, happen overnight there's going to be some growing pain. So I think that from the negative side, we're going to find that the Cowboys are going to need to figure some things out and, and probably get some smarter players. Um, and so, so that, that will be an issue, but overall I like the hire. I like the coach. Um, he has a fantastic track record. He can do things, you know, a lot of different things. He's not just a one, one style. He's very good at, at confusing the quarterback in, in, in many different ways. Uh, he, but he does require you to do your job and be smart and, and think. And that's the one area where I think we might cause some, the Cowboys a little bit of trouble. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting test case, right? It'll, it'll, it'll make it clear to us, was it the coaches or was it the players? 
right? Because if they have to overhaul all of the defensive players, then we're going to know, you know what? It was the players. They just didn't weren't drafting the kind of guys who were you know, who were just had a high football IQ. Hmm. Um, I think everything. I, mean, I don't have a lot to add. I want. I, I want to say two things. Just one is to to sort of affirm what you've just said about his flexibility. I, I've heard a couple different people describe him as a chameleon, and the idea right. is that he's truly one of those coaches who's like, "Give me guys, and I'll figure out a system that best utilizes." their particular talents and then you know I'll, I'll try to teach them other things and i think that you know someone was saying like if they try if they're trying like some kind of coverage scheme and it's really complicated some sort of like man match scheme that has a lot of like complicated rules and um and his guys aren't getting it he'll be like you know what forget it let's just go to cover three and we'll tr- we'll, we'll, we'll teach that later yep. and that may be one of the reasons why as you pointed out his defenses start a little slower because he's going to simplify things because he doesn't want mistakes mm-hmm. he does not want nope. mistakes and um, so the other, the other thing is, I think that Cowboys are likely to get more stout up the middle. We talked about this yes. as a possibility yes. with Ron, Ron Rivera, but his history shows that he, he, you know, he values defensive tackles and, 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 um, and linebacker play. And, uh, and I think that um, that's true of both Rivera and Zimmer. And so I think that, you know, the place where the Cowboys have been vulnerable over the last couple of years, and they threw, I think both, uh, sort of schematic failure, but also just through attrition that they couldn't necessarily predict it in the linebacker room. Uh, they were, they were not uh, strong again this last year at the middle. I don't know that Zimmer will, will countenance that. Uh, I, and then the other thing is one of the things that he's most famous for are these sort of like, um, you know, a gap blitzes or, or like fake a gap blitzes, right. Where he, he, he'll fake things and, and do a lot over the, you know, over the, the most vulnerable um, members of the interior offensive line. And I think that, you know, we saw him do that a lot with Anthony Barr, who was basically a stand-up linebacker slash defensive end. Well, guess who's the most athletic stand-up linebacker or defensive end in the league, yep. pass rusher type? I mean, he's got the prototype to work with now. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do with Micah. I don't – I mean, I know that he likes – he's Zimmer – historically has liked to just sort of say you're at this end you're at this end uh you know try to beat your man and then there's always a change up we're going to work on a change up and you'll use that change up on a key third down to 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 get a sack or to get you know to get a pressure and i'll say one other thing i think that's really great about zimmer historically his defenses have been very strong year after year after year which is not necessarily um you know, correlative to the larger league. There's a lot of variance year to year in third down success rate. His teams have consistently been good on third down. So there's, he, I think that one of the things he probably does when he starts his game plan is to say, how are we going to win on third down? And then it builds his game plan around that. I bet he's got a really, really robust and well thought out, you know, third down package. And and so there's going to be some interesting creative stuff happening on third down because he understands that is the down. So for us, as Cowboy fans who have been too frustrated to see this team get into that desired long third and long, only to see the team give up yes. a, a, Very inconsistent. a first down, yes. a first down when you have the best pass rush in the league, supposedly, and you have, you know, these great man corners, supposedly, I think we're probably going to be happy uh, to see the way that Zimmer handles third, third downs and creates uncertainty and doubt and saves his driest powder for those third down plays when he really needs to get the other team off the field. Yeah, that is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up too. That's another thing that I 
I remember hearing too with uh because the Cowboys were so inconsistent there. Sometimes they're just fantastic. Other times they're like, what is going on? Is this the same same third down defense? It's, but no, that is that is one of the things that Zimmer does extremely well. I'm also interested to see how who's going to be those A-gap guys because mm-hmm. I, I think that – so, I mean, Micah is, is the most double-teamed defensive end um, in, in the league. 35% is his double-team rate, which is insane. And imagine if you're not able to do that because you have to – your offensive line – has to start figuring, okay, which one of these in middle, you know, these linebackers are coming from where, and suddenly, you know, you get them crossed up, and then you see, because, I mean, with Everson Griffith and um, and Daniil Hunter, I mean, those guys, they were they get so much one-on-one action all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, so can I imagine mm-hmm. Micah actually being able to feast when he's actually only has one guy to deal with or, or uh, crosses up the, the offensive line. So I'm super excited about that for sure. I, I think so too. I, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, and I think the other thing about that is, you know, his fa- like we we see him now and we associate him with his failings as head coach, as a head coach. And you know, the the, the rumblings coming out of Minnesota is that he, he didn't even care. Like most of the time in training camp, he didn't even care about the offense. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't let the offense run their stuff. He wanted to run all his exotic blitzes. All he cared about was getting the defense ready for the year. All he cares about is defense. This is a guy. Who cares about nothing but defense? And and one last point to make. We've talked before about this, and I know our good friend OCC and I are always kind of laughing about it. Cowboy fans, the coaches that Cowboy fans want, like Chris Richard, they want them because those coaches yell at the players for the fan. Like the fan likes that coach because that coach is yelling at the player for making a mistake, and that's what the fan wants to do. Fans are going to love Mike Zimmer yeah. because he's going to be chewing people out visibly. He's a red ass who's going to be red faced and he's going to be chewing people out and Cowboy fans are going to love it because that's what they want to do. I think, you know, my philosophy with that too is, you know what, it's it's kind of like um, in the movie Step Brothers where those guys are, I don't know if you saw it, uh, but they, they show up to the job interview in tuxedos and stuff. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and yelling at players you know, you, you know, people do that stuff, and it looks really stupid when you're not when not effective. But Mike Zimmer is effective. I mean, he yells at his uh-huh. players, but those guys know they better do their job, and he has a track record to go with it. And obviously, too, you hear about all the players, Darren Woodson being one of them. So many players respect him, so he's well-respected. He might not be well-liked, but he's well-respected. You know, and as, as he said in the press conference, on Wednesday, you know, great players want to be coached. And that's what he gives. That's what he does. And I, I'm going to love it because I I think we're going to get just forget all these stupid bonehead off and, uh, jumping offside stuff. I think that uh, he'll have a, a much lower tolerance of that than than Dan Quinn right. had. Like Dante Fowler's game is not going to play in Mike Zimmer's universe. It's, no, it's not going to work. So you better fix that. Um, if you're going to fix that, you're going to clean this up. All right, so given all that, um, if you look at the current defensive roster, what's the one area of this defense? It could be a position group. It can even be a single player that you think is going to need a, a Zimmerish upgrade where they're going to need to bring – I don't think they're going to draft defense for defense this year. I think we're probably – because of the kind of player he needs, they're going to probably look to like mid-range free agents, get a smart, savvy veteran. Yes. In. 
where is that going to happen, do you think, um, on this defense to make it more of a Zimmer unit? Um, do I just get one position to pick and you're going to pick one? Is that how you want? Yeah, let's just, yeah, why don't we just each, each identify one okay. right now? I'm, so this is what, the highest priority. Well, I don't know that it's the highest, but this is the one I'm going to okay. pick. I'm going to, I want to just sit, go out and say that Marquise Bell, his days of playing linebacker are done. But I will say this. I think he needs a Harrison Smith like safety, someone, someone who's good in coverage other than Malik Hooker. So, and I don't know that I see that with obviously well J. Ron Curse, he'll, he'll leave a free agency. But Donovan Wilson is a is a line of scrimmage box safety type thing. He's not going to answer. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see somebody transition, whether it's Marquise Bell maybe be be your new strong safety. Um, or Dwayne Thomas, maybe if he showed us a little bit. So I, I my my answer is going to be they're going to definitely going to be a change at linebacker. They're going to get bigger at linebacker, and it could also move some guys around and maybe possibly do like a little position change yet again for Marquis Bell. So that's what I'm saying. So what do you got, Raz? I think I think that's great, and because I think that to me one of the really interesting offensive storylines is. Donna Wilson versus Marquis Bell, because I think that you're right. Like that safety room suddenly becomes really deep, really competitive. And there's two guys who, who at the end of the season showed that they can make plays and in, in different ways shown that they can make plays in a Zimmer scheme, right? It, depending on what kind of scheme he's running. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Zimmer deploys those guys. Cause I think those guys are going to play the same position and I don't think they're going to be in nearly as many like three safety looks. Right. This year. Nope, I'll say that. I think I'll think that I'll say that I think the position that is, is likely to be upgraded if it's possible. It's a tough position to upgrade. I think a big athletic defensive tackle. Yes. I think there's going to be somebody that, that, that he's going to want to to find a disruptor. Who's not just a defensive end who goes inside on third down, right. For some kind of NASCAR situation. I think he's going to want a big athletic Kevin Williams type, you know, uh, defensive tackle who can, can be a disruptor in the, against the run, who can be pretty stout, but who can also affect things um, in the passing game. I, th- I think he's going to look at, at this group of defensive tackles and say they're just they, they 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 all live too far on the particular end of the spectrum. We've got Osa, undersized, great pass rusher. Hankins, you know, big two gap blobby guy and no pass rush there's got to be some there's got to be somebody who can do a little bit more yeah and i, I think he's going to want to try to upgrade that position All right and yeah, i noticed you didn't mention mozzie smith which you know what i understand too but you know the, honestly i got that first off that's the correct answer defensive tackle i knew that's where you will go uh and me personally i believe that if the cowboys do have an all-in moment this offseason it's going to actually go out there and find that defensive tackle it's going to be able to yep. do that because I feel like that's really it, that's what that's where it's got to be because you can't rely on year two Mozzie. You can't rely on um, I mean Hankins. I don't even know if he's under contract, but you know, and Osa, he's you know he's a three, he's your three tech. He's not going to be that guy. So I agree, and I think I it would I I would be very surprised if the Cowboys didn't go out and find a a new starting nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that's probably probably fair. So listen, we're going to have a lot more uh, episodes uh, in future to talk about other areas where the Cowboys are going to be upgrading and to talk about how we feel about the upgrades they do make 
uh, or the downgrades they make because of the cap or whatever the case may be. But I think that's probably all we have time for today, yes. don't you think? I can't wait to see what happens over the next few months with, with the Cowboys offseason. Um, and and it, honestly, it, it, it's going to be a different team, um, but I'm very excited to see what transpires. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys Hot Topics, what you think of the new defensive coordinator hire, um, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And I am not on Twitter because I was banned by Elon Musk after test driving a Tesla without wearing any pants. Well, that will do it. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed. <laughs>